remember when you used to buy DVDs for $20 a piece? Now that very same DVD is somewhere in a landfill next to a rotten piece of cheese. But you know America has way more longevity than a piece of shit DVD. So, donate to America. It'll feel real good. Donate to America. All will be right with the world. Donate to America. It'll feel real good. Donate to America. All will be right with the universe. like I described myself, that I was always watching my mind, always watching my mind. So what I saw in my mind matched what I saw on the outside. There was a, a direct correlation. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Kathy Eck a little bit later about mystery schools and stuff like that. It's a fun episode, fun chat. You guys should enjoy it. Uh, yeah, good one. And of course, I got across from me here, back in the studio, the one and only Graham Techno Optimist Dunlop. Actually, you're more of a no, techno I'm pessimist. A, yeah, it might be. It depends on the day. You're a techno pessy. Today, I was a bit pessimistic, but after our last chat, is a little bit. I'm a little bit more optimistic now. Oh yeah. No. Is you just fucking. Once you get to the studio, it feels easy to flip. Eh? Sometimes it's, it's a like, bit stressful. Bam, fuck it. That's a bit stressful knowing you got a couple podcasts that skin. night, and then when you get in the studio and you get going, it's okay. It all comes together. Yeah, that's because sometimes when you're on your way from work, you think the studio is going to be like work, and then you get in the studio and you're like, "Oh yeah, it's nothing like work." <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of stress flying around the studio. Sometimes. Sometimes depends on you. When the really. audio is not working. Yeah, well, yeah, that gets stressful. Depends on me. When you have to go back to guests and say, yeah, we're not going to use that audio. We'll do something else instead. Or we deleted that audio. Yeah. I was talking in the chat today, actually comparing finding dinosaur bones to like using our data recovery software to find deleted software. Because I picture when that R data is going through the hard drive looking for this lost data, I picture it like Will Ferrell's Land of the Lost where there's just like this weird out-of-place artifacts. Yeah. And this, you know, it's like fragments of old deleted thises or thats or fucking whatever. So dinosaur bones are just the remain, remnants of an old deleted hard drive that our, our, new, our simulation is running over top of. Hmm. I'm not really following because I don't get what the difference. If you delete that, I don't understand what you would even be able to find in that deleted. Well, I data. deleted six episodes and we found those. I know, but how how did it recognize the stuff you're looking for? It managed like, to find. It manages to find. I don't know. How does it I don't do know that? how the fuck it does it. <laughs> I don't know, but I also don't know how to dig for dinosaur bones. Gently, slowly, <laughs> softly. Fuck that. I'm not cut out for archaeology. Oh, imagine. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Really? I was like, gung ho. I love dinosaurs. That's like my kid, Madison, my oldest. She wants to be an archaeologist. I was like, no way, kid. You're fucking way too fucking go, go, go. There's no way you're going to be able to handle brushing for months on end. Yeah. You might be the lady that's like running the archaeologist, telling them where to dig or something, but there's no way. Cassandra, maybe I could see her being an archaeologist. Just explain to her. The site of Gobekli Tepe is going to take two of your lifetimes to uncover. That's too long. 
That's right. You're bigger fish to fry. Imagine that. Like Rebecca Tepe is a pretty big fish. Your whole career is just in one site, just digging up like one column relief carvings and the same old weird looking animals. And that's just one pillar you do in your <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> so, did we mention this awesome episode with Kathy Eck coming on? She gets do into we? like getting rid of belief. Did you already mess it? Did I? I said that we did. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Mystery school stuff and getting rid of belief systems is really challenging. Was it? Yeah. Oh, no, it is. Son of a bitch. I left this plugged in. It probably updated. So anyways, let's uh, continue on here. So I was going to talk about some stuff in this intro. So we do an intro where we, we chit-chat about things for a little while. You can fast forward to the episode. There's a timestamp in the show notes. And there's sometimes uh, Darren's got it uh, separated. You can fast forward in your podcast player always. as well. I think I always do. <clears throat> he always, do, he always does. Well, I just don't know if on every platform you can do that. Only in podcast platform you can probably do that. Anyways, I was going to talk about some some people have been forwarding me articles and stuff after we got into that the uh, the weather modification and chemtrail thing with Matt Landman, and we have. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about it next. Um, Next week or next intro, because we have lots of listener um, dreams and synchronicities and stuff like that to get through. But there's a chilling analysis of Morgellons web filaments from Ireland and dimming the sun rays to cool the planet will affect storms, too. And the Santa Rosa fires, observations and military lockdown of of abnormal fire zones. So there's lots of stuff there. Oh, and then Congress holds hearings on weather manipulation as well. So I got lots of good stuff to talk about probably next intro, I would say. Next intro? Yep. And this intro, we'll save it for listener stuff. Perfect. What are you going to start with? Uh, Maybe, uh, well, you know, some people call things synchros and they're they're really maybe like precognitive moments or like spiritual uh, um, interventions, that type of thing. So, but this is, this might be a synchro. I haven't read it for a while, so. This is synchro, so you're not doing, I can't play the all in Believer and Chemtrails? No. You threw me off. So synchro? We call it a synchro? I was was giving you a foreshadowing of next week's episode, so you can get your little jingles ready for that. There we go. This is what happens when you have have tough talk. (laughs) This is not fair. This is the wrong jingle. I know. Went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night. Darkest night. <laughs> Oops, that's not the right one either. Okay, that's enough messing around. You get the point. <laughs> I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. So this is from Vance. Vance. Hi, Vance. So he says, not sure why I left this one out. Around a year ago, I was working with live electrical about 18 feet up on a scissor lift. For whatever reason, the installer didn't close his connectors, so the plates were exposed. It was a simple matter of closing them. No harm, no foul. These months, I was really anxious and oh, so this these months, I was really anxious and struggling through panic attacks. I had been mentally asking life for a reset and energy boost. Be fucking careful what you ask for, huh? I grabbed the bundle of wire to cinch it up. 
And I started baking. Rewind a bit. It was weird because a few moments earlier, I noticed a main connector that wasn't secured. Normally, I would have secured it. The conversation in my head decided to leave it. Didn't know why, but left it alone. Back to this fat boy frying. <laughs> the electric isn't letting me go. 277 volts, but I felt I had some movement in my right side. Remembering the unsecured connector on the main and let my right knee give way. The main feed disconnected and I stopped frying. Moments later, I message a friend that shares an infrequent psychic or telepathic connection to me, with me. And without hesitation, she laughed and said, guess you needed a reset. How's that working for you? The fuck? You go to the doctor? Oh, I, my mouse is stuck. You um, always go to the doctor after you get electrocuted. Really? Yeah. You're supposed to? So, yeah, I've been asking, I responded. Well, quit doing that when playing with electric, she responded. Had to laugh at it. I just fucking remembered what happened last week. I was working in Dallas, and I heard Lynn McTaggart mention in a podcast. Decided to visit her website and learned about her newest book, The Power of Eight. I pre-ordered it on September 22nd, and it was released on the 26th. On the 25th, my left pinky felt like I got a small cut under the nail. By the 26th, it was so swollen I could barely mend it. Whatever, I kept working. I began listening to her book on 1.5 speed. During the drive from work and towards the end of her book, I heard her say, If you are trying to heal the fourth finger on your left hand. <laughs> I wasn't, but what are the chances that those events would coincide? Ask Big D to shoot me the black links, not getting close. Oh, he's not getting those. Love you guys. So much that no matter how broke I am, if there's any cash in the account, I send it. But not enough to be an overly attached fanboy. We won't think of you as an overly attached fanboy, no matter how much you donate to the show. No, no. The more you donate, the less we think that. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, well, we were supposed to have Lynn McTaggart on, too. And I, you know, <laughs> I tried to email her. This email that he sent spurred me into action to try and get her on again, because we were waiting for the book to come out. And then... The publicist email no longer works, so now I'm back to like uh, back to searching for emails and trying to figure that out. I emailed Stamets. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Craig. We, we almost Craig, got him on in Craig. Vancouver. My buddy Craig, fucking not my buddy. I gave him the black budget feed in exchange for some email work for me, and he's just. Everyone I sent him. That last one, he had it within like half an hour. Bing, oh, really? Bing. So he's helping you find contacts and stuff? So that can be the most annoying Everywhere. thing, actually, the show, is trying to find somebody's contact information. Yeah. Yeah, and it eats up a lot of my time, and he's on his computer a lot, so I just, I don't even look anymore. When I think I want a guest, I just email it to him. That's a good way to support the show. Yeah, it's an awesome way to support the show. Thanks, Craig. We're, he works, for, he'll do it for you, too. It's for both of us. Okay, well, every time I send you a guy, like, you just, I, I've asked you to connect with a few guys on Facebook, and you just... I fucking message 12 Hawk, okay? He doesn't want to come on your podcast, bro. No, that was the other guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did 12 Hawk say? I don't know, I can't remember. I don't think he responded to you. He didn't. I'll check. And then the other guy was, he was like... He was like, you got to tell me that you've read the, understand my stuff or you've read the book or something. And you're like, 
Graham's read all your books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what I said. I said Graham read everything. <laughs> so I think he'll come on, just not not till. Oh, it was November actually. I think I was supposed to message him back in November. And it's November fifteenth. So perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect timing. Do you got anything else before I jump into some stuff? Uh, Let's hear. I'll do some stuff, and then you can do some stuff. Because I've been looking for an excuse to play this jingle again. Oh shit! This isn't going to work, is it? Oh yes, it is. That was close. Oh no, it might not work yet. Hmm. Can I go then? Yep. Okay, so this is a, a lucid dream. Do you want to jingle that or no? A lucid dream? Yeah. You know, we need a new lucid dream jingle. It's the one I had made on Fiverr, and it really isn't that good. Uh, where is it even? Did I delete it? Okay, so no, this no, is... no, 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 no. I'll find it. I like that. Is it real or a dream? What does that even mean? That's E-frame. Okay. okay. The best lucid dream is a lucid nightmare. Ooh. I try to write them down, and they actually do make sense to me later on. Here's one I had two sleeps ago. Two this sleeps an, ago? This is an old Did email. Did he say this two are, sleeps ago? Yeah, but this is a real old email. So, I'd borrowed LeBron's... See, now, I planned on reading this one the other episode when somebody brought up LeBron James, and it was a bit of a synchro because I had this all lined up, and our guest actually mentioned that name. Oh, maybe it was Kathy. I don't think so. Anyways, I'd borrowed LeBron James's hatchback for work. I didn't know how to drive it, and I left the handbrake off, so it started rolling slowly down a hill. I, I numped a public mailbox, <laughs> knocked it over, and packages fell out onto the street. The neighbors helped themselves to the mail, and I ran back to the house to call LeBron about the damage to his car. Back at the house, I noticed an old lady is grinning at me over the window ledge from outside. It's dark out there, and she retreats into the shadows as I approach her. She looks something like the Queen Mother. As I followed her into the dark, I woke myself up with a noise I do when I'm asleep. Either that's the boundary these observers set, or it's one you've set yourself. And he attached a picture <laughs> a picture of the Queen Mother peeking through this thing. I like the idea of, of it's a boundary you set yourself. And then he says, extra bit, and he attached something else here as well. Um, after this dream below, I drew an illustration of it because I write stuff like that down. At the time, I searched for a while for the photo of the queen that looked like my dream. The photos mostly look similar in many ways. Nothing was exactly like the haunting face clear in my mind. Then around 10 days later, I'm sitting in front of the exact face I saw. It was on the front of a magazine. Same clothes, same expression. Everything was exactly the same as this photo of the image below. And there's the creepy lizard queen. So you had me play the wrong jingle. I thought it was a weird sign to get. I wonder if the queen will dot, dot, dot. That's cheers. That's from Dan. Dan sends me cool artwork as well. I'm, I, I'd like another one. Well, from Dan him. should fucking start a blog and post his art on there. Yeah. Well, he's got a cool like insect digital, insect sort of digitally art. That's not a synchro though. What's in the synchro? A lucid dream? That's more of a... Ripple, 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 ripple
ripple before the stick. There we go. Can you okay. have a ripple stick in a dream? Sure. Can do anything in a dream. But it's still going. What That's you got? it. Is that all you got? Yeah. Well, I got a letter here from the Jingle King. Not the Shingle King. Finally. Get out a pen and paper and write this down. Or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grimerica Show? At P.O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. 100-815, comma, 17th Avenue, SW. Next line. Uh-huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Uh-huh. Canada. Next line. Uh-huh. T2T, space, 5H7. That's the P.O. Box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Cause he's got a dirty sock fetish. Uh-huh. Why don't you send Graham some gold bowling? Cause he's got a gold bowling fetish. Uh-huh. Send him some gold. Send him some gold. Send him some gold in the P.O. Box. P.O. Box. P.O. Box. A get physical. A get physical. A get physical. Everybody loves to get physical. You know, he sent a bookmark here. And my wife was just saying yesterday she needs a bookmark. No way. Yeah. See, I waited. I that I waited to give you that letter. <laughs> Sorry, Felix. Well, you should always let me open I it waited. on the show. Why? He didn't date it. Why did he send this a long time ago? Well, I've had it for a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Well, Felix I kept is... getting razzed by the guys in the chats. Do you still have Felix's unopened mail? And I said, I'm saving it for the studio. Felix's letter is still <laughs> And then my... I was waiting for your wife to ask for the bookmark. Okay, well, Felix's... Magnets are still in the front seat of my truck. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. You got us some nice puppy magnets here. And uh, Grimerica Nation map. drawn Hand-drawn by Felix, so that's, that's kind of cool. It shows to, a round earth. Ha- it does show a round earth. So I wonder if that's subconscious. I'm going to read the note. There's these things here, these cards, but I don't want to read them just yet. So we have it here. It says, Seasons, Greetings, Darren, Graham and Darren. Felix of Jingle Notoriety here. Thought I'd send you this physical letter with 2D doodads, goodies for kicks, and to partake in this old tradition of letter writing. More real than digital bleeps and bloops. Feel free to vocalize this message in the pinholes of your microphones. Well, I'll probably read. If you don't want us to read your shit, you have to put that, like, at the top. (laughs) Here's a synchro. I've been keeping in my back. I've I've been keeping in my back pocket. Oh, he's been keeping the synchro. Would you like me to read that? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Here's a synchro. I've been keeping in my back pocket. See, he double underlined synchro, and my brain turned it into a period. (laughs) I've been keeping in my back pocket. It's been marinating in there, (laughs) fermenting. Even can you feel its warmth? See its steam? Feel its funk? Okay, here it is. Without further ado, that means you get to rate this one. Okay. This past summer, I was doing some custodial slash building cleaning work. I worked with an older gentleman. One day, we were cleaning a room together. I had on some headphones and was listening to a program. The program was a human interest story highlighting the life and work of a kindergarten teacher. She was a bit unconventional in that she taught kindergartners how to meditate and deal with their emotions. She had a backstory of being forced into Japanese internment camps in the U.S. during World War II, when she was only five years old. So while I was listening to this program, I look over to my older co-worker gentleman and paid him a compliment for the nice job he was doing. Sort of sarcastically. He wrote flip there too, just so I know. 
<laughs> Synchro continued. <laughs> he responded to me offhandedly, saying something to the effect of, Everything I've ever needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. Now tell me that's not a high-rating synchro. Well, you're going to do better because Graham's rating it. Later that day, I asked him why he said that thing about kindergarten. He told me he read it on a pastor poster quote in the staff lounge break room. At any rate, I hope among hope you are in good health and spirits as we approach another winter. I want to shout out to all my digital friends in the chats. Grimsteak the bitch. I added the bitch. <laughs> James Cruz and his mom. I added and his mom. <laughs> Teach me how to computer Jerry. Failed Glitch Tech, Ponce Bill, Amsterdam, Ryan, Liberal Mike, Garrett, Suzanne, Mr. Owl, Nikki the Dude, etc. You're etc. Shout out to my flesh and bud friends, Graham, Shelley, Andy, Garmas, and Ryan Chilla. And hi to my wife. Nice. Regards, Felix Ortega. Thanks, buddy. Hi, Felix's wife. Thank you for allowing your husband to take all the time he does to write us our tremendous jingles. Yep. I'll rate that a 6.77. But I thought he was going to say that that guy had the kindergarten teacher. I mean, maybe we should look into that. Maybe. The older gentleman? You thought the older gentleman had the fucking kindergarten teacher that is currently teaching kindergarten still? It's not so currently has she teach been teaching oh, kindergarten is she currently for teaching kindergarten? Years? I thought she was in a Japanese internment camp when she was five. Yeah. So she's still teaching kindergarten? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, when she was up. five. Yeah. This is what I have to deal with when, <laughs> when I read you say girls. So we got this cool little picture he drew. We'll put up on the... On the, in the studio um, wall, yeah. yeah. And we got some cards here. You want to open one? Okay. Opening cards. Ooh, comic images, the Masterpiece Collection cards. Ooh, I got one too. I got St. Louis, King oh, of France. Okay. You know what I got? Oh, 40, Liberty Leading the People. I also got a fortune. Did you get a fortune? Fortune? Yeah. It says, your love life will oh, be, I did too. Will be happy, happy and harmonious. Save these numbers for the lottery. Here, I'll do it. I, I'm mine are fucking Chinese, bro. Oh <laughs> you didn't yeah. get English numbers on the back? No, mine's more authentic. Next week, your luck color will be green. Ooh, money, money, money. <laughs> Donate to the show, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Felix. It's always great to get some nice little trinkets in the mail we can put on our walls. Pretty soon we're going to need more walls. Yeah. Bigger studio. Yeah, we could redo the garage a little. Except it floods. That's the problem. Yeah. You got anything? I could bounce back to some... Uh, no, I think that's pretty good. So if, I could bounce back to some... What's it called? If you can some just... Social media, social media jingles? Social yeah. media stuff? Now I feel shitty for not sending out those magnets yet. Well, you should. Thanks, tips. <laughs> okay, Social media. I could read an Instagram. I could do that. Just read well, that could, that's part of the social media. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grind America Newsletter.
Send that, send that pic to me too. So this is from uh, this is from our episode with Charles Ortel and the Instagram. Dave Teabag says, "Cool, my first Grimerica experience was number one ninety one eighty six with Mister Ortel. Good times." And then Think Not says, "A really eye opening episode. The really." That really, whose scope surprised me at times. The fraud committed under the guise of charity is so laden with mischief and mayhem that it reaches the high point of government and its implications. I don't think anyone would be taken aback over how deep it all goes. The best idea, among many suggested, was to stop people forming donation funds associated with family names and empires. With this kind of law, institutions like the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Foundation would not be able to hide behind a cloak of obscure obfuscation Ooh, he pulls it off. <laughs> and would, would have to become accountable over the suspicious donators. Gray America keeps it coming. And once again, the ball with its what? And once again, the ball with its timely sharing of this topic with us as usual. Thanks, Darren and Graham. Pew, pew. Thanks, man. My turn. Yep. Okay. What do I got here? We got from... How'd you know it was a man? Hmm? How'd you know it was a man? You said Dave. No, that was the other one was Dave. This was Think Not. I think he's part of the UK posse for some reason. I get the yeah. feeling... Sometimes I get the feeling that people are from the UK and I don't really know. Or maybe I've... Our audience is 87% male by any... By most... Any metrics that track sex... Are somewhere between eighty and ninety percent. Is that podcast in general or our genre of podcast? That's, that's just ours. I'm just really? saying. No, ours. no, I know, but why? I don't know. Huh. If you ask my wife' opinion, that's because she'd say because she's stuck listening to the screaming fucking kids all day. She even says she can't listen to podcasts during the day. The kids just hound her. So I get to listen while I'm out at work. So maybe that plays a part. And I think I don't know. I don't know why. I think guys are just more gadgety, you know? Yeah, it could be, yeah. I'd yeah. I'd say if for watching online porn is around the same metric. No, probably more women than 13%. It's so? more like 60-40, probably. I think you're too optimistic. No. You're ultimately too optimistic in most aspects. So, saying 87%, I'm saying that the Grand America show is on par with online porn for male-to-female ratio. No. No? No. Anyway, we got this from the cat daddy. Stevie. Hey, guys, I just noticed your response. I don't know what he's talking about. I think I might have tweeted him. (laughs) And thought you might appreciate a good word. I work as a night shift stalker at Walmart, which feels mindless after a while. The catch to it is that I get to wear headphones, so I have 32 hours of time... (laughs) To listen to lots of stuff, and you guys occupy a lot of that time. Due to your subject matter, I feel like I'm listening to or in a way with friends when I listen to your podcasts. Not only that, but every time I am electrified by your guests, it feels healthy and it all together feels good to listen to. Thank you and be blessed, guys. Hmm. Thanks, Cat Daddy. That's a super nice thing to say. Uh, what do I got? We'll go to the YouTubes to bring down the bring down the bar. 
Oh, I did want to, I'm not going to read any of uh, the back and forth between Natoli and I, but I know he did experience death in the family. We'll send you some good vibes, sending some good vibes your way. His father passed away or her father passed away. Uh, there's Coop. Coop's always there saying, bless up. We got here, guys, you got to wish for more genies. Uh, I think I already read that, didn't I? Did I read that? Uh-oh. Worlds are colliding. Here we got. Here's some here's some troll action. Nobody went to Matt Lyman's Global Chemtrail Summit. Oh. Nobody nobody went to it? I guess not. How does he know? I don't know. He must have went. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Absolutely filthy. It amazes me how far money will push some people away from morality. Keep it up, Grimes. I feel like that person knows me. Has Randall published any of the books that he mentioned working on? I don't think so. Super interesting podcast, guys. I am so glad people got a chance to hear about this without the usual dogma associated, which usually stops people from listening. Which one was that? That was on the high-level spiritual warfare one. Oh. That's good to hear. So among, among women, the number is approximately 20%, Darren. Just getting back to your little porn numbers there. 20% women? Yeah. yeah. So what I say, between 80 and 90? Oh, no, hang on, that's wrong. Bum, 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 bum. The moon actually turns clockwise as it cruises across the sky. What's at 12 o'clock on the eastern horizon will be around the 2 two thirty mark on the western horizon. Having David on your show regularly to talk to us about what's up there is a very welcome idea, in my opinion. 72% men, 28% women. That's the survey, buddy. That's the survey? Yeah. Who'd the survey? Um, it is from Fight the New Drug, Gender of Online Pornographic Viewers. Who watches more porn, girls or guys? I'm saying that's, that's tremendously off. That's, I'm saying it. You don't think that's right? Well, because that has a clever graphic, you think you're going to swing me? You have to show me the graphic. No, I, I, I know it's right. You know? <laughs> uh, the enemy of whatever's belief, what was that? How's the old saying go? Don't know. I don't know either. Too daft. Uh, so what do you got? Anything else? How was I going to wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap her up. Oh, we, did we ask for support already? No, no not did. really, no. Support the show. Please. <laughs> so, hey, we're putting out all these extra episodes for in the free feed, you know, and we we have lots of content and we have lots more coming. And we, but we also put a little bit extra in the black budget feed. It's a little bit different, a little more controversial sometimes, maybe a little, you know. Yeah, we're going to dump some stuff in that soon. And that's uh, what just the access people get for supporting the show in any way monetarily, like any one-time donation or any subscription. That's right. And to prove that it's not about uh, the black budget feed isn't about a paywall, it's more of a reward. We're dumping like an extra couple exactly. ep episodes a month here for the next little while into the free feed. As a show of good faith that hopefully, you know, that you, you guys that are listening to the show and getting some value from the show, if you are out there, uh, you can head over to grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly, even if it's a buck a month, you start a buck a month, that's like 25 cents a show. That's 12 cents each to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and do that. And I mean, you can always... 
you know, don't feel like you're going to offend us at a $1 subscription. If everyone had a $1 subscription, we'd be laughing. Yeah. But, uh, and people, like I say, someone quit their garage. People cancel out of my garage, yeah. Then I could park the car in the garage. The wife would be happy. Um, but if, uh, you interrupted me. Yeah, you're talking about the $1, the canceling the subscription. And oh, yeah, someone canceled the subscription today from a buck or two and bumped it up two bucks. Gave us a little raise. You know, you can always start out a buck. You don't have to wait for that raise to go up to think you have to give us five bucks a month. Support us anyway. You can. And if you, if you can't do it financially, there's what you can review the show, which is great. And a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of peepees have been doing that lately for me, for us. They've been doing the peepees. I don't know what kind of accent that is, but anyway, we got like what? I don't think we got 10 reviews in the last six months, and then we got like 10 reviews in the last three weeks. Yeah, that helps a lot, I think. It helps the it algorithm. It does change the algos. When people come across the show, there's a couple of reviews there that helps on the way. When guests check it out. Exactly. Do that. Our friends at the Tinfoil Hat Pod say that they're shooting for a thousand because that's, I mean, they, I think they have inside sources on this, but they think that that's where the algorithm really shifts. So. Well, they're doing, they've got more than us already. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, step it up, fans. Fans, yeah. listeners. I just have the laziest fans in the world. I mean, <laughs> it's because our la- our ramblings are so lazy that we just, they're just like, yeah, next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, no big deal, guys. If you can, when you can, do what you can to share the show, review the show, tell your friends about the show, all that stuff helps out. Please do it. Uh, enough about that. Yeah, enjoy the show with Kathy send little, It's great. Send little hand-drawn pictures to the show. This is fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Kathy, for coming on the show, and enjoy this chat. Tonight we've got Kathy Eck here, and uh, she was recommended to us from a listener. And usually, when listeners recommend people, I mean, we have a long list of, of recommendations, but they turn out really good. This was from Jenna, so a big shout out to her before I forget. And we've got uh, Kathy on the line here, and Kathy's got quite the education as well. But that's not the interesting part. Like she does have a PhD and a master's, but she's been studying the esoteric stuff, and she's got a website here. It's called Gateway to Gold. And she's talking about um, all kinds of stuff and listening to her blogs about belief systems and really interesting, like sort of sort of beyond spiritual growth stuff. So I, I don't want to get too into those details, Kathy. We'll let you explain to the listeners a little bit about your background. But first of all, thanks for coming on the show with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward Even to Even after listening to a few episodes, <laughs> you decided to come, still come. Yeah, exactly. Actually, we've been com- we've been uh, we've become pretty good friends with some of our guests. So that's been one of the the best parts about doing this podcast is meeting people like yourself who've done like you know years worth of research and they come up with really interesting stuff. And then we become friends. So 
That's good. That's pretty cool. And tons Very of cool. listeners too yeah. that we consider friends now. It's oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, we don't always get into people's backgrounds, Kathy, but I was listening to your, your blogs and reading your website and stuff like that. I usually put them into like a voice app so that I can, you know, drive right. while, while listening to it. But I think your background is super appropriate to bringing context to the, this whole topic and, and all your research and like our conversation. So I think we should start there a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly where the best place is to start. It was, it, when I look back over my life, everything in my life was preparing me to do what I do today. <laughs> it's a, a very strange thing. It's like it all fits together into this perfect story. And there's not necessarily one moment that's like, oh yeah, I had that, you know, incredible experience in that moment. It was just like it all fit. But I do remember that earliest moment that, told me that there was something weird going on with the way I was going to look at the world was when I was about four or five years old, my mother had this big Bible sitting in the room and I picked it up. I couldn't even read yet. And I said, Oh God, I'm going to have to do something about this. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, that's kind of been what my life has been about is looking at beliefs and seeing that oftentimes they've been, completely misunderstood or misinterpreted in a way that disempowers people, but also in a way that causes people to be fighting with each other and against each other when we're not meant to be in opposition to each other. And um, so, you know, life went on. I had a pretty normal life other than uh, I married fairly young and I married somebody who was very religious. And at that moment, it really hit me. I'd always had this habit because I spent a lot of time alone. I grew up in the country. I spent a lot of time alone. So my whole life, I'd always watched my mind. That was my entertainment. Uh I could, I could not tell you what um, happened. Like if I went to a party, I couldn't tell you what happened at the party, but I could tell you everything I was thinking while I was at the party. So it was this as if my mind was turned inward. And um, so once I got married, I suddenly saw this huge deterioration of the quality of my thoughts. And I it took a while to associate that the deterioration was coming from his religious input. And the beliefs. He had a really strong culture in his family. And so he had a very, very, very strong set of beliefs. And as those came into my mind, the quality of my thinking, I could just see it kind of getting depressed, kind of going downhill. And that was the first time I said, whoa, that isn't what I thought was supposed to happen. You know, I thought, Beliefs were supposed to enhance your life or or make you more loving. And yet I could see that the quality of the thoughts in my mind were less loving and more judgmental than they'd ever been in my life. And I thought, huh, you know, it's just kind of a question. But then I, I went to college, went about my life. I worked in, I became, uh, well, first I became a certified public accountant, which in America is, um, an auditor. And I worked with one of the big firms for years. And I worked with a tremendous 
businessmen, tremendous. And uh, during that time, I really saw how when I was with them, the quality of my thinking expanded and became really high quality. And here I am, I'm watching my thoughts like I'm watching some kind of a diagram. And then I'm seeing, well, they, they kind of dip down when I'm at home with my husband. And then I started a business and a technology business. And during that time, I was working with really interesting people in the technology field. And again, I see, wow, my thoughts were getting more creative. It, it was just an interesting thing that eventually I said, I, I got to figure this out. And, and that was really when it hit me that all that was just kind of data that I was accumulating for something that I really wanted to understand is what are beliefs and how do they affect our mind? How do they affect our life? Can we put beliefs in and take them out just as easily? It seemed like people in general, once they got beliefs in their mind, they were kind of stuck. Do you think that, uh, I got a kind of a silly question, but when you're, when you're noticing that about, about your, your, your mood and your belief system changing when you're in that marriage, was that like a outward, was that influence outward and external from him and is like the way he would communicate and vo or was it, was it more of like a subconscious uh, subtle type thing? Yeah. Well, that's an excellent question. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it's an excellent question. I realized that when we have beliefs, our mind splits beliefs always come in opposites. Hmm. Now it took me, Believe me, it took me many, many years to, to finally see this. But a belief always comes in opposites, good and evil, right and wrong, win and lose, you know. Yep. We all black and white. Every time you accept a belief, you're accepting an opposite. Mm -hmm. Now, what my husband would be described as a positive thinker, a very um, half glass fool type of guy. Okay. And that's how most people would see him. Hmm. What I was hearing in my mind wasn't that I was hearing the opposite of it. Wow. And this is what confounded me because I thought, I wonder if I'm going through as an adult, what many children go through very young. You see, I kind of escaped it because I was kind of a loner, lived out in the country, was happy playing by myself. My parents kind of, uh, they just let me be, you know, they didn't notice me very much. And so here, all of a sudden, I'm hearing the opposite of these thoughts. Now, having done this work now for 25 years and worked with many people, that's exactly what was happening. So a lot of times, many you'll hear many kids say, I was the black sheep of the family. Everybody was happy. And then there was me. <laughs> yeah, I was a mess. I was always getting in trouble. I was there the person that hears the other side of the belief. Hmm. So it started to explain. And ironically, then all these people who kind of fell into that category started coming to me. So they gave me plenty of study material. And what I could find is as they could see that and then as you've probably seen on my blogs, I teach people how to recognize that a belief is false and doesn't belong in your mind and then how to let it go. And once they would start doing that, they they weren't bad or upset or, you know, all those qualities went away. Yeah, that's I want to dig into that a little bit a little bit later about how how you can 
do that because I've got some sort of personal questions and stuff we talk about on the show all the time is related to belief systems. I mean, we're always in, it seems like that's always in the background of, of what we talk about. So, so let's talk a little bit more about before we get into that, uh, into your, um, you know, moving from that realization in business and, and were those guys, you know, were they more negative and more like profit driven and all? And then you were, you were seeing the other side of that belief or, or was it, uh, or, or no. was that, the, yeah. And then I want no, to talk not about it all. Yeah. And how yeah. you went from there. Yeah. Here's what happened. It, this is very strange. And I start, as I started during this 25 year period, my initial probably five or six years was spent in a, in a metaphysical library pretty much all the time. And what I was trying to do was see, did we used to use our minds in a different way? And did we somehow get away Mm. from the original way that we used our minds? And it it took quite a few years to, to see the pattern. But I noticed that eventually that is exactly what happened. If we go back to when we were not quite as civilized, um, we used our minds in a very different way. And if you go back to old stories, mythology that was written thousands of years ago, those writers wrote at what I call a first cause level. It's um, they wrote from a place that was the characters that they invented were straight from their mind. They, they weren't seeing the world from a physical perspective and then interpreting it mentally. They were seeing the world from a mental perspective and then projecting it out physically. Now, what I discovered in that is the story of the fall in the Bible was meant to explain a change in consciousness, not a physical, oh, God kicked us out of you know heaven. What happened is it says that we... When they when they bit the apple, they went into the they lost the garden of they went out of the Garden of Eden and they got the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what that signifies is that their mind became split. So within our mind, we can process at what's called first cause. Now, first cause has no judgment in it. So, for example, the colors black and white, they're opposites. But. We don't judge black different than white. If they're on the, I'm looking at a page right now, there's black words on a white page. I don't, I don't get repulsed when I look at the black words and think, oh my God, I just love the white page. You know, that's first cause thinking. What happened is when we go into this second cause thinking, which is fat and thin, and I only like thin people, fat people are a mess. You see that when we add judgment to something, we fall into a different level of reality. And this was called the illusion. Mm. So what the idea of this was is we mentally weren't supposed to make that fall. But what happens is we were all trained to make that fall. Every child from the time they're born is taught that this world is filled with good and evil. Now, what I noticed with these businessmen and, and in business in general is most of the people that I work for most of that thinking was very first cause. It was very creative focused, focused on a product, looking at numbers and analyzing them. There wasn't a lot of judgment in it. Nobody was looking at those 
numbers and saying, oh, this is an evil person. Yeah, it, it was it was a very different type of thinking. So it generally fell into the first cause. And that's why there's no projection when you're in first cause. It's just a very comfortable relationship. I often, in my writing, I refer to it as win-win mm. because you don't care which side you're on. You see, you're going to get along. I'm playing this side. You're playing that side. Later on, we switch. You give and I receive. I give and you receive. We have a good time. Yeah, like a nice conversation with friends. When we go down into second cause, that's where all the trouble is. And if you look at something like politics, it's all at second cause. And that's why it's so dicey. Religion, all at second cause. That's why well, it gets really comfortable and dicey. A lot of it is right now. I mean, it's hard to get away from that. Everything seems, everything feels polarized and everything feels like second cause. Exactly. And that's why people are so emotional right now. Yeah, they're just exhausted. They, they want to, I'll just text, you know, I won't even talk to people anymore. <laughs> this Because people are just worn out from the second cause. The second cause, what happens is the way our minds uh, and our bodies uh, work is uh, that whenever we go into second cause, we generate emotion. It, it feels, what it used to feel to me was, because I was I was so aware of it is it felt like my body was splitting and and I came to recognize emotion as a feeling like like I just dropped you know into into a different place and um, so what I noticed so so here's where the real lesson came in with the business people I after I started started my business I really didn't understand very much about the technology business. I had a lot to learn and I I did this business with my husband. And we had very different philosophies about how it should be done. He was more like a salesman, you know, tell them what they wanna hear and then we'll fix it later. I was more like, let's just tell them straight the first time and either they'll buy from us or they won't. and one day we we got into quite an argument about this because his philosophy was, well, if you don't sell them, they're not going to buy. And my philosophy was I couldn't live with myself anymore. You know, I couldn't live with myself if somebody felt deceived in some way. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why we were having this enormous battle all the time. And um, and then it hit me one day I was just standing in the, in the ladies room of all places and I looked and I noticed that I was, it, this is a really dumb thing. It's like not something that should be so cosmic, but it kind of was. I was standing there washing my hands and looking in the mirror. And I noticed that I dripped water the whole way across the sink top as I went to get a paper towel to dry my hands. And it, suddenly I just realized that somebody had to clean that up and, and I didn't do it. Like I had just made work for somebody else. And I don't know why that hit me so hard, but I just had this sense that I couldn't live this way anymore. That I was, I remembered being so happy when every thought that I had, I knew the other person who, who couldn't see what was in my mind, but if they could, they would like the thought I just thought about them. And and I thought, I, I want to go back to living that way. And and I remember that night going home and thinking, you know, according to everybody else, this is going to be the end of my business. Like nobody is going to want to buy from somebody who just 
tells it like it is and says, well, that isn't the best product and maybe you shouldn't buy it. But I thought, I just want to feel that way like I used to as a kid again. I I want that feeling of freedom. And um, so I I decided I'd do it. I didn't care if I went bankrupt. I'd see what happened. Mm -hmm. And about a, a week later, my sales manager said to me, said, Kathy, I got an idea. She's, he said, you know, you really are good at telling it like it is. Like, that's your strength. Why don't you just hold these seminars where you tell people all the things that you tell us, like this product does this, but it doesn't do this. And just tell it like it is and see what happens. See if we get more business or less business. It's the only way you're going to be happy. You know? And, uh, so I did that. I started that seminar and my business doubled in the next year. Wow. And not only that, my competitors started coming to me and giving me business and asking me to teach them how to do it. And the whole technology framework in, in the area that we were in, in Washington, D.C., changed and became from a, a business. A, you know, computer sales were like used car sales back then. You know, and suddenly it was people were just dying to buy. You know, they just felt like and I thought, ah, now this is this is what feels right. Is that a, tr- is a trust thing, do you think? Like were you, were you starting to create an environment of trust? I think they just detected they detected that they could trust somebody who was willing to give up the sale to show them that they cared. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just kind of makes a lot of sense. And and I know, and like you were saying earlier, all my clients then became my friends. They, yeah, I just, it became like one big happy family. It was an incredible time. And everything in my life got better. I, I mean, I can't even tell you, it almost became what some would describe as magical in a way. There were times when a client would call me and they'd say, oh, Kathy, my computer isn't working. And I'd walk in the room and the computer would start working. I'd walk up to the subway and the subway would come every time. I mean, it was as if I lived in a completely different world from everybody else. And it was because I was so incredibly, I was not going to let a thought in my mind that would make another person feel unloved. And it it was life-changing. That was the start. That was only the start, though. That was 25 years ago. That was only the start of where everything began. Hmm. That's interesting. I make it feels like uh, when you know we hear these people talking about when you're following your path or when you're in your higher, you know, when you're connected to your higher self, whatever that you're shining, you know, you're shining a light. You know, people are attracted to that authentic authenticity. Yeah, I think they they recognize it because they have it too. You know, it, I mean, everybody has it. So it's kind of like, oh, man, there's somebody that's like me. And it doesn't matter what the other stuff is, you know, that that's all unimportant then. Yeah. Yeah. So then so then how so what was the next sort of step along your, your journey? Well, what happened then was um, I decided for a number of reasons to sell my business and um I did a number of things during that time. That's when I went back to school. I thought learning about psychology might be a good place to start. Although I will say that I learned 
what psychology does wrong more than I've heard <laughs> yeah. psychology, you know. Um, but nevertheless, sometimes you have to know what somebody's doing wrong in order to see it from a different standpoint. But I did get a lot of support. I went to a very small college that had an amazing library. So screw the classes. The library was incredible. They had a lot of metaphysical books and um, it was, uh, it, it became my my heaven on earth. I just spent all my time in there researching and they had a lot of old books that had been donated to them that had a lot of mythology from all over the world. And that was really where things happen. Now, the odd thing is, is that after I sold my business, I was working on my schooling, but I also became a stay-at-home mom. And I made a very interesting decision at that time to unschool my children take them completely out of the school system and do unschooling. Unschooling is not like homeschooling. It's where you let the children decide what they want to study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard and, that um, And it, it was an incredible, it was also a big piece of this because what I was doing was completely removing my children from any system. They had no religion, they had no education, and they were just free all day long to just explore whatever was in their mind. They're, they were having a life that was very similar to the life that I had as a child. And of course, a lot. Uh, I took a lot of flack for that decision from relatives, friends, everybody, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do. And, and it has proved out very well. My, my children are all incredible, very successful. Um, and they did it completely without the system. And so it was a very important part to prove that what makes us successful isn't the knowledge, it's what's inside of you. And um, so that was a big part of, of it. But also, um, after I went through this, this kind of win-win place, uh, things became pretty rough with my husband and I. He could not grasp what I was saying. And I really went back to this place where I was always hearing in my mind the other side of his thinking. And at, at times I would feel like it got stuck in my mind and I couldn't get out, get it out. And, and consequently, I went from this very incredible place to a place where I couldn't get back to that win-win, where I felt very stuck. And, and I really felt that in a way I was experiencing kind of what he experienced as a child. Like he was, he was thinking the way his parents would have thought with him. And I was now kind of intercepting what, you know, he would have received. And, and a lot of this really tied into what I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand why does somebody get, get beliefs stuck in their mind? I constantly ran into people who um, said, God, you know, I, I was born into a Christian family and I, I, like, it's like they dropped me into the wrong family. I don't belong. I'm gay or, you know, or somebody else says, I can't believe I was born to this family. I don't think anything like them. And, and I would constantly be having this question of, well, then what do you do? Are you just stuck with beliefs that you you can't get out of your mind? I had never felt stuck with beliefs in my life until I kind of entered this phase of my life. And then I felt so stuck. I call it, you know, in in most um, 
roles where you have two people, whether it's a husband and wife or teacher and student, one of those roles is masculine or a leadership type of role or an authority type of role. And the other is feminine, a more receiving type of role. And I kind of put myself totally in the feminine and just became receiving to him in a way just to understand what was really in there. Like why, you know, what was the the reasons that we didn't often communicate very well. And once I understood, I understood him very well and I had a lot of compassion. But at the same time, we eventually ended up divorcing. And um, that was largely because he didn't want to, he didn't want to let go of his beliefs. But now that I could, I was always feeling the other side of them, I couldn't believe him either. You know, I understood that there was there was a cost to accepting any belief that has another side. Mm-hmm. You, you you have a hard time loving the other person when they're your enemy. You know. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, <clears throat> especially if they're like, uh, you know, it seems like most people seem to take religion a little lighter these days. You know, it seems like I think. Most it seems like most Christians are probably, I don't know, less serious, or most religions are less serious about the religion, I guess. But I don't know. On the, on the other side, I was reading something the other day that said it was like something like ninety percent of people believe that there's more to life than this. If you really press them, yeah. If you really press people, you know, it's an interesting thing because my my mentoring work that I have that I did over the last five years or so, mm-hmm. I don't do it anymore. But I mentored people from all over the world, all different religions, all different cultures. They're all the same. They're all the same. Whenever you get down to somebody trying to let go, it doesn't matter. They can say they're an atheist. They got the same beliefs in there to let go. They can say they're um, a Muslim. They got the same beliefs to let go. The variations are all on the surface. Underneath the stuff that keeps people feeling trapped and disconnected from themselves or from others, it's pretty much all the same. I had a really funny conversation with a Muslim woman one time, uh, and she she said, I was shocked when I went on your American website and I started reading about conversations that you had with your husband because I put everything out there. And she said, I've had the exact same conversations with my husband not that different. Hmm. So when did, when did you realize that, that all the spiritual teachings that you had followed, like, cause you were in the metaphysical libraries, you're, you know, you're absorbing yeah. all the stuff, you're learning all this stuff. When did you realize that it was, there was even, that was even just surface level and that the, you know, when did you go deeper into the mystery schools? Well, I started to realize that, um, that a lot of the things that I was reading were what I would call a cult. And, um, you know, a lot of it was coming from uh, these secret schools and, you know, things like that. And I realized that they were interpreting things exactly at the same level as literal religion. Mm -hmm. But it all fell into one big bunch and it was all second cause. And, And so they weren't getting the right interpretation. Now, what happened is that caused me to, I, I really struggled with, you can't learn this stuff. You, know, you, you can't learn your true self. Your true self is in there. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to expose it. You have to reveal it. And somehow or other, 
back in that time when I decided I was going to be only accept thoughts into my mind. I was doing a form of letting go, but it was it was natural. It was I couldn't put my hand on how I actually did it. So I I was required to take one religious course, theology something or other for my master's program and and I didn't want to take it. I put it off till it was like the last course to take. And I'm sitting there one day and I'm just twiddling my thumbs and trying not to listen to it and doing everything possible to daydream. And I don't know, he's talking about Jesus and something or other. And all of a sudden he's saying one thing, telling it kind of like you read it in the Bible at a very, like a story, you know, like you'd see a movie. And what I'm seeing in my mind was not the same thing. And somehow or other, Afterwards, I sat and thought about it for hours, and I realized that the way they were describing it was as if the characters in the Bible were literal characters, were people that actually existed. And the way I was seeing it in my mind, as if each of those characters was an aspect of our mind. Mm. And I realized that was that was the difference in the Garden of Eden. We saw things from this, what I can now call the mental perspective, and we projected out that mental perspective. So if you if you have the mental perspective and if you clean up your mind, well, then you're going to project out a perfect life. The parts of the world that you're going to see are going to be the parts that are very appealing. The people you're going to run into are going to be the wonderful people. Now, on the other hand, when you interpret it from a literal place, then you always project out an enemy because everything at the literal place is, is down in the second cause. You know, there's there's heaven and there's hell. There's God and there's Satan. You know, like everything has an opposite. And that was purposely divide, devised that way. And I'll tell you why it was purposely devised that way. It took me a while to figure that out. But that whole story of the fall did something very important. It placed our mind in a place where we can be made into slaves very easily. Hmm. You see somebody who thinks from the mental level, you can't make them into a slave. They have too much power and they're, yeah. they can see right through you yeah. all the time. You know, it, you, you would never be able to deceive them, but you put somebody down in that literal level where they're always looking at their opposite and they don't notice whenever you're, baffling them, you know, whenever you're trying to trick them or sell them something or, you know, tell them that you're a a great person and you're really ripping them off. So this was, this is back, like you're, you're noticing this back in the Bible and then, and then before the Bible, like how far does this, this, uh, this mythology and and research go back? Like, can you trace this all the way back to the written record or? Yeah, it goes all the way back to the earliest written things. If you if you look at um, what came out of what's now Iran, Iraq area, yeah. back then it was called Samar- Samaria. Samaria yeah. yeah, those those stories basically are similar to the stories that are in the Old Testament of the Bible. Yeah. And it is presumed that when the Temple of Solomon was ruined the second time and a lot of the kind of elite Jews were kidnapped and taken to uh, 
place where the hanging gardens are, Babylon, mm-hmm. taken to Babylon, they um, learned a lot of those stories. Mm-hmm. And then those stories were kind of, you know, changed up a little bit, but they became the original stories of the Bible. And those stories were designed to cause the people in Babylon to fall. And then they became the people, the stories of the Old Testament. Now, what happens is the Old Testament is all about life in the illusion. That's why people read the Old Testament and they're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Yeah, People getting killed and cursed and God's mean and punishing and, you know, all that. And then the story of Jesus was then meant to take it the other way. It was the story of initiation. And so that story was where I started to find that there were other groups of people, very, very small, who trained themselves to let go of all beliefs Mm. and then become of pure mind. And these are the, Jesus was the prototype of that group of people. He wasn't necessarily real. Nobody's ever found proof that he's real, but he was, say, the poster child for that way of teaching. And there's two ways that you can read a story. You can read a story like religion teaches us, which he was a god that fell, or you can read it the other way around, that he was a man who became initiated. And when I took it and made it the other way around, that's what I did my PhD dissertation on, suddenly I realized that anybody could achieve that. And that was that was it. That was what I started doing then. So were some of these small groups of people, did they, do you think they were before Jesus then as well? Like these people like letting go of their belief systems, like does that get back to like the Egyptian mystery schools and stuff like that? Or the- Some of it. I think the original Egyptians knew this and then they fell too. You know, they, they got themselves into some deep shit. Uh, the, the, what many people believe, and I don't know that it's true or false, I've not been able to prove it or disprove it, is that that the time that the Jesus story got published, the initiation that I speak of was gone. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is a memory. Now we're writing it down. Like this is the way it used to be. So a lot of this teaching got, um, got changed or obfuscated over the years. And now the powers that be know, like, so do you think the powers that shouldn't be right now, they know this and they, they, they're using this against us and keeping the culture polarized, or is this just a natural way that, that, uh, you know, the not enough people on the other side know this to get out of it? No, very few people know this now. And and, And I know nobody in power knows this and I can tell you why, because they don't live it. Um, You know, it's you look at them and you say, no, these are these are weak people. These aren't powerful people. Uh Our confusion is we look at them and we say, oh, they're occultists. So what happened to these people was they fell for their own deception. And and everybody does that in time. You know, if you if you lie long enough, you start to believe your own lies. Just look at Hillary Clinton and you can see evidence of that. And, you you know, so what happens is uh you know, this has happened to many of these people, many of these people. And they call themselves all these nice names like Illuminati and they talk about symbolism and all that. But you know what? Whenever you're looking at this stuff as symbolism, you don't know. You don't know. You're still in the duality. Now, wow. we could we could defeat these people in no time at all if if enough people let go. And that's 
kind of, you know, what I work on with the people that are involved in, you know, read the stuff that I do and and do some of the, the work that I do is as people get their minds back, you recognize, you look at these people and you think, oh my God, they're so weak and powerless. They're, 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 they don't scare you at all. They're, they're, they're just plain liars. That's all they are. So, you know, we're starting to see that more and more people are noticing that these people that used to look so powerful really aren't as powerful as, as they look. But I think a lot of, a lot of times I'll tell you one belief that really gets people is the idea of the power of numbers. And that was one of the big beliefs that the initiate said, no, 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 there, there's no such thing as the power of numbers. The only reason they need an awful lot of numbers is because a belief has no power. So if you can get a lot of people to believe nothing, then it'll look like it has power, but it really doesn't have any power. Huh. Oh, it's just, it's fascinating to me because I, I, I almost think of the, like the, some of the examples you're using and the, and the people that are really looking as like weak, weak, powerful you know, <laughs> weak, powerful yeah. leaders in, yes, our, in exactly. our society is, um, is that I almost feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, a deeper influence behind them. Like they're just the foot soldiers really. But I mean, that's just kind of, I like, speculate and I wonder about that, but, but well, there um, is, and I can explain that. <laughs> no, no, you don't even have to blame it on reptilians. I'll explain <laughs> to you how it happens. There's a, if let's, Here's what happens in, in our mind. If we go back to, let's say that I was able to take a magnet and just wipe out your mind, and you are back to the state that you were whenever you were born. Okay. And, and everybody's born with this pristine mind. So you have this beautiful, pristine mind, and then somebody comes along and they say, oh, we're going to teach you about heaven and hell today. And, and the first thing that happens to you as a little kid, and most people will remember instances of this when they were little. Maybe their mom dragged them into church and they screamed the whole time, or they remember going into a doctor's office and screaming bloody murder. And, and you know, the, the parent was like, oh, my God, behave, behave. You know, these are good people. <laughs> and meanwhile, the kid, the children know, no, 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 there's something wrong here. This doesn't feel right. Hmm. So. When we're little, our emotions know as soon as somebody tells us something that isn't from the truth, that isn't from the truth or what I call first cause, we, we don't mind something being divided. We just don't like the judgment part. So intuitively, when we feel that judgment part, we feel emotion. And we'll, you know, as a little kid, we'll start crying or screaming or getting upset. Now, later on in life, if, if you believe enough lies, and your mind becomes completely a big mess of lies, like many of these people who are actually in power, then what happens is you become what I call completely psychologically reversed. So, so what happens is, let's say that you're raised in a household where everything that your parents say to you is pretty much a lie. Okay. They just, they, they got them all. Well, in order to stay sane in that household, you can't have your emotions going off every time your mother says a word or your father says a word. So what happens is you reverse to become like them. You'll hear this, the phrase, I couldn't beat them, so I joined them. That's actually saying what I did is I made their thinking right so I didn't have to feel the emotions of that constant, yeah, yeah. you know, falseness, falseness, falseness. So what we have with these, now, here's what happens. 
is in what we call the illusion is where people are psychologically reversed. They're saying things that are false, but they think they're true. In whenever somebody's mind is straight, when they hear something false, they feel a little bit of an emotional hit. And if they're if they're able to, if they if they have some power over their mind, they just say, oh, it's false. I'm not going to believe that. And they move on. So so what happens with these people who they most are referred to as Satanists, some people call them reptilians. They are people who are virtually completely psychologically reversed. What happens to them is they feel good when they lie and they feel bad when they tell the truth. And if you look at the people that drive you crazy in politics, Mm -hmm. you will see that's exactly what they do. They can stand up there and they can lie and lie and lie and they don't feel a thing, but you're crawling under the table at home, you know, ready to break the TV set because you're thinking, oh my God, how can they do that? How can they lie like that? That's called complete psychological reversal. And unfortunately, because they look so calm, people get deceived. They think they're telling the truth because we're used to believing that somebody that's calm must be telling the truth. Oh, there's so much to unwrap there. So, so the, the new political environment, the new shift in politics from this, you know, this, uh, you know, Trump, who's basically a, a total outsider or, you know, who knows, yeah. depending on what, how deep you want to believe in the deep state and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, I mean, it, it's a, you know, he's causing a real deep state battle here. I mean, is this, yeah. is this part of people waking up to the lies or is this another, well, another lie of, of deceit? Like, no, I, I think Trump has a, a one really amazing quality. And I, I wrote about this a lot during um, the election time period because um, people weren't seeing it. Trump doesn't, Trump is not politically correct. Everybody knows that. And what happens is when you speak congruently, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're not 100% um, factual. Well, I wouldn't even say factual. You are congruent. You are, um, I think he's very factual. And I think most of the time he's telling the truth. Yeah, but what what I see is is people, he does this thing where he exaggerates a little bit, which we all do. And then these other people on the other side call him lying. And I'm like, this isn't lying. Like, you know, they're calling him out on stuff that's not supposed, he's not He's not trying to throw you facts right there. He's expressing, you know, let's say he says 20 trillion instead of 19.7 trillion and they're they're calling it a lie. And it's like, no, he's not meaning exactly fucking 20 20 trillion. Right. Right. No, what's happening? Trump is wise to this. He reminds me very much of the business people that I worked with. And he's been in business his whole life. I guarantee you that he understands the concept of win-win and you'll you'll hear him say that. Yeah. Much of when somebody lives most of the time at first cause and you can see even the, as mean as the liberals have been to Donald Trump, he doesn't hate them. He really doesn't hate them. He really wants them to have a good life too. They hate him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't hate them. Mm-hmm. So so he has all the power. You see the <laughs> the person who has no power they're, you know, while they're sitting there hating themselves, they're being exposed all the time. And it's their own fault because they're so filled with hatred for him that it bounces right back because he won't accept it. He refuses to hate them. And that is his power. And whether or not 
you know, sometimes I like what he does. Sometimes I don't like what he does. But yeah, what yeah. I do like about him is he refuses to hate somebody. He can have a heated discussion with somebody and then you will see him laughing with them five minutes later. He, you know, it, over and over again, you can, people will call him racist and sexist. And yet there's thousands of pictures of him helping black people, helping women. He just, he, he just, you know, he just loves people. When he says he loves people, he's not joking. Yeah. The other people, they hate people. <laughs> they just really do. And, and they're really caught in second cause. And I think the business training, I used to say to people all the time that I was very fortunate to have had that business training because really the only quick exit to the illusion is in the business world right now. Because if you can get to win-win, suddenly it's like you catapult right into your true self. You <laughs> you force yourself to look from that perspective. You see, and I think Donald Trump knows that. Yeah. There is no exit to the illusion from from government bureaucrats. They're totally caught up in right and wrong and good and evil. There's no exit from really solid religions, you know, where it's all good and evil. There's there, there's no exit there. But in business, you will find some business people get it. And and that's where you'll find them. So is this is this um, you know politically incorrectness and this this sort of truth telling? Let's just call it that for now. That that Trump is really he's the outsider. He's coming and doing this. Or is this resonating with people that? And is this why it's such a shock that you know even people that may outwardly or publicly say something negative or be against him, they're they're like in the closet, sort of like you know. I'm, and I don't know if I. Just that they closet Trumpers. That, yeah, I mean there was yeah. this, there was a silent majority. I mean there was there was yeah. people that are like you know they've had enough of the system and the corruption and absolutely and they, and they and and this truth is resonating with them even though they you know they don't want to admit it publicly. Well, exactly. You're afraid to admit it publicly because people will you know come up and slap you. But but the truth of the matter is is they're saying something about him that. Reminds me of myself. You know, I, I wish I could say that. I wish I had the balls to stand up there and say, you're lying. Yeah. I'd lock you up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that may still you happen. Mean, yeah, well, it's, it's looking more and more like it might happen. And I think that would be a very good thing. You know, it's the political correctness is a part of the cycle. You, you have to realize that there's a there's a war going on in the world and it's not what we think it is. It's a war that we're all battling internally between what I call the clone. And the clone is a term that I came up with because it's kind of what happens whenever you become good by some group in society. You know, you become a perfect progressive or you become a perfect Christian or you become good by some standard of society, but it, you're still at this second cause level of thinking mm -hmm. versus somebody who actually has very few beliefs and is actually very clear minded, maybe on just one topic, but on that topic, they're very clear minded and, and free. And that part of them is at war with this kind of clone part. Now, what you have in the government on both sides, for the most part, is a whole lot of these psychologically reversed clones. That's why they, that's basically the deep state. I mean, they're just, 
They're just swimming in their own swamp, believing their own lies. And they really do believe their lies. And people who have the similar minds also believe their lies. You know, it's it's just the way it is. So putting the left and right and this political division aside, are people waking up? Have you seen this over your last, like, because you've been, you know, researching this for quite a while. And now with, like, let's just say, like, your your work and shows like ours and people waking up to the polarization, especially with this Trump election. And it's really shining the light on the lies in the media, the polarization, the 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 uh, sort of is the distraction of the left and right. Like, are people waking up to a greater truth uh, in the in the Politically, they are. What, politically what about what about personally and consciously consciously i'd say we're they're not i'd say they're going the wrong way and it's because of the new age the new age is just another belief system it's christianity repackaged so a lot of people are still falling for all of that it just creates it creates a i'm spiritual and you're not it's still it's still at the bottom of the you know the second cause thinking huh. so that has been a big setback. I um, the positive thinking movement was a bit of a setback because wow. you the problem with these things is what happened is it allowed people who actually had a lot of beliefs to create this sort of clone where they look very spiritual or look very positive, and now people can't tell the difference between somebody who's a really good clone and somebody who actually is coming from a free, true self place. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. And that is our dilemma. If you can't tell the difference between somebody who's a good imposter and somebody who's really true, how do you make good decisions in life? Yeah. So so that would include like law of attraction, even that kind of stuff? Absolutely. That stuff is is totally, that was all actually came out of the occult to trick normal people like you and I into giving the occult more power. Wow. Some of our listeners are going to resonate with this. I tell you, there's some smart people we've been talking to in the chats and stuff that would just, I feel like they're right along the same lines as this. And sometimes it gets too deep. Sometimes it gets too deep for me. And some, you know, we've got some closer friends now, even that just, they're really trying to step away from these belief systems. And it's, it's difficult because, um, you know, I, I, so I want to get into a little bit of that is how, yeah. how to get, get rid of these belief systems. Because I mean, I, we'd really try and be, and as soon as you say the word, some people would say you're not, but open-minded here. And, and I, right. but I do know, like, I do have a couple overarching belief systems, you know, like silly things like the, you, you know, there's a, there's a cover up about UFOs, you know, I mean, there's an overarching thing that there's a the group of of you know there's a secrecy secrecy. (laughs) yeah um i I was trying to think of a a word to describe what darren just said that i heard recently but i can't (laughs) but i can't think of it so you know like there's a couple overarching things like consciousness like you know that the i believe that there's uh you know there's a non-local consciousness that kind of thing i mean i have a couple overarching beliefs so how do i need to get rid of those beliefs too like how how deep or how deep do I have to go into trying to like shed my belief systems and let them go? Well, let me let me say a couple of things about that. First of all, I will be the last person to ever tell somebody that they have to let go of their beliefs. And people find that very strange because I spend my life teaching people how to let go of their beliefs. But whenever you are free of a belief system, 
you don't care because anybody who has beliefs, they just sound like kind of like idiots. You know, like you don't you don't feel like they're idiots. I mean, that's a bad word. That's a that's the wrong word. You just feel like they have no power. They're not going to bother me. Now, what happens is when people sell a belief system, even if it's something like, you know, alien conspiracy or something. You know, if, if there's a, I remember going through a phase where I watched a lot of these YouTube videos of, you know, there's aliens running the planet and, you know, and they say it in a very convincing way. Now, there is a clue, though, just like a child who's, you know, taken to church at two years old and says, Mommy, I don't want to go. Um, you notice that you generally feel emotional when you watch those videos. Now, this is what people don't catch is our emotion only means one thing. And this is really the essence of how you get yourself free. But it's going to sound a lot easier than it is. I mean, people listen to it or read it on my blogs and they say, oh, that makes so much sense. And then they go to try it and they say, oh, man, that's harder than I thought it was. But the essence is, is every time you're listening to somebody else and what they say generates a ton of emotion in you then generally what they're saying is just their belief system. It's not the truth. It may be reality. And here's here's where people get really hooked up is we have been trained since we were little kids to think that reality equals the truth when reality is often just the sum total of our beliefs. So if we believe that if we drink too much blue Kool-Aid, we will eventually turn blue. There is a possibility that if we believe that hard enough, we could start to turn blue. But it's not the truth. We created it because we had that belief and we kept feeding that belief and feeding that belief and feeding that belief. You see, we believe the belief so much that we turned that belief into the truth. Now, what often happens is that the moment that somebody, they feed a belief, they feed a belief, they feed a belief, and at some point they turn it into the truth. Now, at the point that they turn it into the truth, they won't feel emotions anymore because our mind, the way it was designed, is that if we think something is true, we don't feel emotion. We feel very calm. Oh, that's interesting. But it's still a belief. It's still a belief. It's just a belief that we've now labeled the truth. That's where those things get really tricky. And it's we live in a time that's kind of amazing. And also kind of more tricky because I can go on YouTube tonight and I can pick at random 20 videos and I can hear 20 people tell me their truth and none of it will be the truth. It will be their belief system that they've manifested because they believed it so much. So that's kind of what what we what I try and do anyways is like I might have these overarching beliefs about some sort of, you know, large conspiracy about let's just use the UFO thing, for example. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have the answer and I don't really know. And I'm okay with that. Like there could be many different things going on. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that a, a good sort of temporary solution or like temporary way to go? Like, I, you know, I don't have the answers, but sort of like this is well, going kind on. Of. Yeah. If you, if you have a belief and you don't give it any attention, eventually over time, it will probably fade away. But it's it's kind of hard sometimes if a belief is really in your face, then or your family believes it or your friends believe it, and they're bringing it up all the time. 
that's a little bit harder. So what I do is I I teach people there's a there's a second website that I have. It's called no labels no lies.com. Yep. And on on that website, if you start from the earliest post and go forward, because blogs tend to be backwards, um, basically it's a it's like a curriculum that teaches you how to let go of of beliefs okay. using your emotions. Um, understanding how to discriminate so you can tell when somebody's giving you a belief. There's a lot of different factors involved. You see, in order to get us to to kind of stick, if, if you think about this, it's almost like a miracle that they were able to take these people who had these pristine minds way back in time. We go back maybe, you know, 4,000. 5,000 years ago. And these people all have these pristine minds and they're really happy people. And and they somehow or other convince them through story to adapt to this different way of being. Now, part of this came as a result of civilization because you see, we were very interdirected. Like I described myself that I was always watching my mind, always watching my mind. So what I saw in my mind matched what I saw on the outside. There was a, a direct correlation until I got into my husband's world, and then I noticed that correlation didn't match anymore. Now, so that kind of mirrored what we did as people. Now, why would we do that? Well, it makes a lot of sense because, you see, when we were tribal people, yeah, we had a tribe leader, but, eh, you know, they weren't that big a deal. But whenever you get to these big civilizations, now they're calling these, you know, these leaders are like gods. As a matter of fact, the the God of the Old Testament is often the word is exchanged for Lord, and Lord was the leader in Babylon. So it they're talking about a human being who's judgmental and condemning and hateful, not a God. And that's where a lot of the confusion lies. Now it's it, it's a very interesting thing because that story, that Old Testament story has stuck. You know, it's pervasive. It's in everybody's mind, even if people never had, I never had religion, but yet I knew that story. And um, I actually heard an interview with Bibi Netanyahu uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, you know, all I want is peace in the Middle East, but I got to change that story. That story, like that Old Testament story, he's saying it. <laughs> the, the Prime Minister of Israel is saying, that story is like stuck in everybody's mind. We need a new story. <laughs> I said, oh, he gets it. <laughs> so so how do we get from like second cause to first cause in our day-to-day challenges then? You know, like we're working, there's a bunch of emotions running rampant. People are being, you know, let's say. Uh, difficult. Difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, how do I, how do I, cause I, and then I'm feeling triggered and I'm getting emotional and defensive and all this. Like, how do we move to first cause in that sort of situation or can you? Well, the, you know, you definitely can. I mean, I've taught many people to do it and, and it's, it's very possible, but I will tell you that some, some beliefs are really easy to let go. Um, for example, if they're, if they're just kind of on the surface and you're annoyed because you know, the person sitting at the desk next to you is clicking on the table or something dumb like that. It's pretty easy to think, uh, you know, this is stupid. I'm just going to let this go. On the other hand, if, and this ties into something that I, I talk about with roles, if you're the authority 
yeah. or the person who has power in the situation. Yeah. Very easy to let go. It was pretty easy for me to let go and get to win-win when I was the owner of the company. You see, everybody looked to me. Um, was more difficult when I was feminine to my husband. I couldn't figure out how to let go to save my life. And I will tell you, I don't think there is anybody in this world who teaches letting go from the feminine, but my website. I don't think nobody has ever found somebody else that can teach it. A lot of things will help you get your mind at least in a better place if you if you're in the masculine place. But when you're stuck in that feminine and somebody is projecting at you. It feels like you are stuck in a prison, and that's the place where most people get stuck. And that is the probably the most helpful thing that that I teach. It's a it's a matter of really getting in touch with your emotions and recognizing that your belief, the reason you're feeling emotions in your body in that moment, is because you're believing what that other person is saying, or you're believing what your mind is saying. And some of it is that you have to learn to witness your mind. That's kind of the first step. The second step is to become really able to watch your emotions and to see, wait, I'm feeling emotion right now. That means what I'm thinking isn't true. Let me explain a little different way. If we were self-regulating mechanisms, which is kind of how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be able to do is say, I want to develop a new business and I want to be really successful at it. That's my desire. Or I want to get free. You know, that's the desire I tell everybody to use whenever they're kind of going through this process. What happens is your mind says, oh, okay, I'll I'll give you the signals. If you start to think something that's taking you in that direction, you'll feel calm and you'll just move nicely in that direction. If you start to think something that's not taking you in that direction, or you start to believe somebody that's not taking you in that direction, then you'll feel emotion. And that's just how our minds work. Hmm. But, you know, there's you can set your desire. I mean, there's people who are setting their desire to be powerful over other people or to, you know, own the planet or to steal all the money in the world. I mean, you know, and and your mind will work the same way. It it doesn't. There's no uh, conscious regulator saying, oh, that's a bad one. You know, they, they it just directs you wherever you say you want to go. And that's that's why we have to become self-regulating. It's kind of like we have to stay in our own lane. So that's hard. That's the hard part is when that's you feel it, when, you, when you feel the emotion and you and, and like you said, you, you that that should be a signal that that it's not that it's that what no, it's not true. It's not that's true. a signal that what you're thinking is not true. But our mind, this psychological reversal that we've all been trained to have, will say, oh, it is true. Yeah, that's, I, that's tough. You see, that's the tough part. Now, let me give you a real a real um, crazy example. But it, so, let's say somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you've got blah, blah disease. And you're going to have blah, blah disease for the rest of your life. Now, most people, if you take them back to that moment, and I used to do hypnosis with people before I realized I didn't need to hypnotize them to do this. But most people, if you take them back to that moment, they'll say, oh, my God, I felt so horrible. I mean, the guy gave me a death sentence, but they think what he says is true. You see, and then because they think what he says is true, most of the people will now 
realize the symptoms and die when they're said to die. There's been many, many studies on that. Hmm. Now, what I will do is take it's people. Like I used nocebo. to like. I, yeah, exactly. They've basically given them a hypnotic suggestion. And because a doctor is a person in authority, you know, you just carry that out. Now, what I used to do in hypnosis is I would take people back to that moment. And when they would say they would start to cry, they would hear the the um, you know, diagnosis and they'd start to cry. And I'd say, your emotion is telling you that what he just said is not the truth. And then they would drop it. And they would get better. So does that mean if you're just like, oh, that you're really going to die? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing of it is, is that what is the doctor presenting us? The knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of this is true and this isn't true. You see, we're so used to it that we don't have the capacity to say, wait a second, knowledge is false. There's all, all knowledge, if it has an opposite to it, health and unhealth has an opposite to it. Our bodies, if our minds worked this perfect way, and this is the place where people will challenge me and challenge me and say, you got to be crazy, Kathy. I know you're freaking crazy until their life, until they do it one time that, and they have the success and they see, holy shit, there's, there's nothing that's true. There's virtually nothing that anybody's told us that's true. Anything can be challenged if we can flip our mind back to its original state and let it go. So much of that is just colored crazy, by our Gassy. perceptions and our yeah. experience and all that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's the, that's the tricky part to it. You know, the, the other thing that, that they used to teach was that our life is meant to be this story. If you I, at one point, I studied screenwriting, and I did it just to really understand story. And what you find if you study a story, it's in the first few minutes, uh, the first, you know, there's three acts in a, in a story. In the first act, relatively short period of time, there'll be what they call an inciting incident. And that's where all hell breaks loose. And something bad happens. And from that point on, now you now all you're trying to do is get back to who you were before that happened. And then you move through the end of the first act. And in the second act, you hit all these things that, oh, they didn't work. We try this. And you thought this person was going to help you. And then you thought you were going to get the girl. And then the girl ran away. And, and all these things happen. That's kind of like people who are seekers, you know, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, I went to the therapist, they don't get anywhere. And then in the third act, something happens. Basically, we find that the answer is inside of us, if it's a perfect story. And then we get back to the person we were at the very beginning. That was the arc of initiation. That you completed your story and there was a happily ever after at the end. Huh. So I, I remember just, I was just recently talking to my mom about some stuff because I was asking her about, uh, I was remembering really hard to remember it, but I remember these memories of uh, being really upset, being dropped off at daycare when I was younger and I didn't, uh -huh. I didn't go through it a lot, but this was like an early and I was trying to, you know, ask my mom about it. So like, what was going on then? And, and she said that. It, it was actually when I was super young, but there was some times where she was dropping me off on the way to work to daycare and, and I was just like causing a huge fuss and like she couldn't even, she couldn't even do it. I don't think in the end, like she it just, I was just too upset now. And I like, I know it sounds such a weepy, sad 
story. But I mean, I was thinking that could be my first memory. Like, I don't know if I remember anything before that, but I remember colors and I remember these things from this, from this daycare. So like what was going on? Was, was, so was I reacting? Like when you talked about all this, you know, emotion when you're younger and the kids and stuff like that, well, what do you, what was going on there? You know, it's hard. It, I, I can't say what was going on for you because it would be in your mind, not yeah, my mind. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, 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 but I was but really, I you don't want to go being, wandering around but, in there. <laughs> but I can tell you from being a mom that I had a similar experience with my oldest child. And what he was when he was crying, it was really the sadness in me because I didn't want to leave him. I didn't want to turn him over to the daycare. I wanted to spend the day with him. Oh. But I, I had to go to work. So, you know, I was sad, but I was kind of, I wasn't, you know, an adult isn't supposed to walk into the daycare and start bawling. So the child started bawling and I could really see that in my son. And after a while, I was able to talk to him authentically and say, I think this might be my sadness because I really miss you. And then kids are really bright when you talk to them this way. He looked at me and he said, oh, okay. And that was pretty much the end of it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Was such a yes, my mom was just being sad. Now, that could be it, you know. I mean, so I'm picking up on her ultimate yeah. sadness. Wow, that's interesting. A lot of us get stuck that way. We can't stand to see our parents upset or sad. You know, if people have a parent that was sick or their parents divorce when they're young or those things, the child, because, it, and here's why it is, it's it's kind of brilliant in a way. You know, the child understands that he came, he or she came into this life to create their experience. They understand that their mind, they think a thought and they create it and they see life that way. They see it just like we used to see it 4,000, 5,000 years ago. And so now the they feel this emotion coming at them or they they see like their parents get divorced or their mom crying or mom and dad are fighting and they think they caused that. But they didn't cause that because the child is always in a feminine role until the time that, you know, they grow up and they can go off and start creating their life. And generally, for most people, that comes after college before they're able to do that. So during that time, they're confused. Wait, uh, am I creating my mom and dad? No, they're not. Or are they? (laughs) (laughs) No, they really aren't because because we step into our parents' illusion. We step into their, we're, we're feminine. We can't make any decisions. We can't look back at them. Now, there are times when the child is so strong that they can keep something bad from happening, I think, because the child is more of their true self. But oftentimes the child will take the blame for something that happened that was really just caused by very strong parents. So if, if parents divorce and they're, and they're in their truth, do you think that a, the child would be less upset? Yeah, I think so. I kind of went through that with my kids. I was just very open with them and honest. They saw that my husband and I were in very different places, and they they weren't too upset over it. You know? Yeah, they got it. Yeah. How old yeah, were they? They, kind of, they were older. You know, they yeah. were um, late teens, young, early 20s. And um, even today, they'll say, you know, we behave one way with dad and we behave one way with you, you know, like we're just two really different people. So it's actually stressful them for them if we're together because they, they can't. Then then who do they be? Yeah. 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 Which one do they 
you know, who do they talk to? They, you know, it's all complicated. So it's much easier for them since we're really, really different. We're kind of in these different mental places. They just feel more comfortable reacting with each one of us alone. Hmm. So can we touch on good and evil before we uh, before yeah, we wrap sure. this up? Because that's uh, something our previous guests have been bringing up, and I'm finding it more and more interesting to think about. It's so you know, so many people are just so quick to judge good and evil, and it seems like a lot of it could be based on perception and and, and, and beliefs and experience, the type, type of stuff you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's a really strong belief. It was probably one of the first beliefs that we were given through story, because obviously it's a really big part of the Adam and Eve fall, you know, and, and the whole old Testament. So you find, and you find it in all religions, you find this good and evil idea. And it, um, it really is what took us from first cause to second cause. It took us the, the only way, really the easy way to describe first cause. And the way I describe it throughout my writing is win, win in, in first cause, nobody has to be the bad guy. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, uh, you, you really want, um, to watch a TV show and the other person puts the TV show on, or you, you want some new flowers for your table and somebody walks in and hands you flowers for table. And it's totally win-win. They're happy because they gave it and you're happy because you receive it. You know, so, so those transactions that that's how, that's where we're contented. When stuff like that happens, we feel very calm. We feel like life is right. Life is good. As soon as we take something and we look at it and we see an opposite that's evil, well, then now our mind, our body is not contented. And um, a lot of people who really focus on good and evil often will make themselves sick. It's not a healthy way to, to look at life. Now, oftentimes you look at what somebody's doing and they're very psychologically reversed and they are lying all the time. And it's really easy to think, oh my God, they're just evil. They're trying to deceive us. But you got to remember, if you were to step in their shoes, the way their mind is working is that's their truth. Their, you know, their lies are true to them. So this is why we have such a hard time sometimes uh, communicating with somebody who has a very different perspective because they are very convinced that their beliefs are the truth. And that's because they see evidence of them. If you believe anything long enough, it becomes real. And then we have this bad habit of making reality the truth. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, most of it is if, if we could take everybody and slowly get them to, you know, to let go, you would find that there is no such thing as an evil person on this planet. There are people who have really deeply ingrained beliefs and they think they're, they're the good ones and somebody else is the bad one. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what, what what our other guest was saying is that, you know, being in that person's mind, they don't think they're most of the time. I mean, maybe sometime, but they don't think they're being consciously evil. They think they're good and the other people are evil. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you reconcile that? You have two people and they're going (laughs) at each other and both of them think they're the good one. Exactly. So there is no possibility of reconciling that. But what happens if in the situation where I've been in things like that is I just 
keep letting go of any judgment I have of them. There's a there's a three-step process that I give people to work on. The, the first step is where you're stuck in a feminine role and somebody's really coming at you. You know, they're calling you a racist. They're calling they're coming at you and they're they're saying something that isn't true. It's it's not true, but nevertheless, they're saying it with a lot of authority or a lot of um charisma. Like, like they Darren's believe a Nazi. Yes, exactly. What Darren's a Nazi. Because <laughs> so, he's been tweeting. He's been accused of that. <laughs> I'm an Indian, yeah, haven't, by we the way. All, haven't we all? <laughs> So what happens in that, that's what I call step one. From there, you have to let go from the feminine. And there's, you know, that's where you have to use your emotions and see that what they're saying is generating emotions. So it's not the truth. Then you move up to step two. In step two, you move into the masculine mind or a masculine role. And now you have a little more power and there's a tendency to want to judge them back. Like, you know, I'm going to get even now. I'm going to going to call them a Nazi, whatever. Well, that doesn't get you anywhere either. And if you let go then from the masculine side, which is generally easier to do than from the feminine, then you move up to step. Well, there's a step two and a half that I made up because of new agers, because new agers, like they have a tendency to want to go into, oh, it's all good. You know, they did the best they could. They want to put flowers on everything. So I say, okay, let go of the two and a half shit. And then eventually you get to a place where you just feel unconditional love for the person and then they can't harm you. It's like they have no power at that point. What if they punch you? They won't. Not okay, at that good. point. Yeah. That's yeah. No, they won't. What happens is when you get to that place where you're just completely in the truth, like in, in first cause and the truth, and you see this. You, you do see this with Trump sometimes. He's he's the best example I've ever had, I think, in, in the public eye. But notice how a lot of times the projections that come at him get flipped. You know, you might take a day, but they get flipped right back on the person who projected. And you see that more and more. And that's because he doesn't take it in. He just lets it go right back. He knows it's false. He lets it go right back to them. And two days later, they're being exposed in the news or something. So you do start to develop this this power that, you know, people who want to lie aren't fond of and they may consider you evil, but you, you know you aren't inside. You know that you've let go, you've cleaned up your mind. You're not thinking badly of them. So, you know, if they think badly of you, that's kind of their problem at that point. Well said. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, yeah, it works really well. But like I said, it is very, it's way easier said than done. And it's taking me a long time to perfect it. I mean, I've worked at this, you know, has like a, almost a lifetime. Um, but but it really does all tie. And the interesting thing about my work was that I'm. it was not only kind of a, a mind perspective, but I took it all the way back. And that's what's a lot of the writing on Gateway to Gold and explained how we got in this situation. And and it, it all just made sense. It all made sense. You know, it just everything fit. And it, it fits today. You can take anything in the world and you can see who's in the masculine role, where what their beliefs are, why they're in conflict. Yeah. 
So that's a good segue to your your you know your work and what people need to know to get a hold of you and all that. Like um, your your two websites there, no labels, no lies, and Gateway to Gold, and then. Right. And then is that the best thing for people to do to, to find more out about this? Yeah, exactly. I um, don't do any private mentoring anymore. What happens is if people are really interested in it, I tell them to do all the free material. And there's the equivalent of about nine books worth of free material on the two sites. So it, it takes people a while to get through that. Wow. And then after they go through all that, if they want more and they really want freedom, you know, they're hungry enough at that point to just want it with all they've got. Then there's a paid membership site called the Gold Circle that's part of Gateway to Gold. And they can go on there. And that's where I I hold nothing back. I mean, it's it's um no holds barred. <laughs> you know, I tell everything. I talk about everything from pedophilia to the Old Testament to the New Testament to mythology, you know, everything. I just let everything uh, that I that I know out in there. And there's a lot of um, audio recordings. There's probably another eight or ten books worth of information on that site. And but but I always tell people, don't bother coming. Don't try coming there first because they would be too confused. You really <laughs> kind of have to. Like you have to ease yourself into this because what you're really doing is flipping the whole way that your mind works back to the way we originally used our minds a long time ago. Yeah, that's good. No, it's very interesting stuff. I mean, it's, it's, man, it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of the goal that that we, you know, that we should have, or that we have here is trying to let go of all that stuff. I mean, I really do see how it's holding me back and it's interesting to talk to you about, uh, you know, the process. And I really appreciate you being so honest and uh, coming on here and sharing all, all your research and stuff. Yeah, no problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> More good. people that work even a little bit toward freedom. I think you make a contribution to everybody when yeah. you do it, Yeah, you know, because you're taking away a belief and pe- people used to, to laugh because they, I, I would do things like I'd watch the news or something and I would be sitting there and I'd be letting go, you know, that that was true or that was true or that was true and things would change. And they'd say, well, why do you care about doing that for other people? And I'd say, because it makes it a better world. Like anything we let go, we're taking those people who are using those beliefs to hurt us and we're taking their power from them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, whenever they don't have any power, they'll, they'll be locked up. that's where they'll be (laughs) (laughs) right on well thanks a lot Kathy and we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes for people to check out your work thanks very much it was nice meeting you too yeah have a good night okay you too bye bye and that was a chat with Kathy Eck believing that was good I like it It's, it's hard to grasp at first but then I started to get it a little bit here like you know how to let it go as it's an all-in believer like yourself, let it go. <laughs> Watch for the emotion. Watch. She's like, I meant Ooh, to I'm ask you about the eye, I'm going to keep an eye on you now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, no. That's my tell. Yeah. Well, can that help me in poker? Probably. How would that work? Suss out the truth. I don't know. Maybe she's got some stuff on her website for that. How to play poker. Or hustling your buddies at yeah. poker. Yeah.
Head down to the casino. Yeah. America cleans up again. <laughs> <laughs> the black budget. Just watch people get mad. Ooh, he's bluffing. Yeah. That was a good one. What'd you think? That was good. Yeah? Yeah. yeah I like did you, get, did you notice some belief systems that you got? They're all wrapped up in? Yeah. <laughs> Bunch. Really? No. Not so much. No? Probably a couple. Yeah. I got my own issues. Yeah. Plenty of them. Just not as public or crazy as yours. Yeah, just you got to work on those issues. I do. Yeah. Tardiness. That's <laughs> you don't fine. think that's an issue, do you? No. <laughs> you no. don't feel any emotion when you show up late. No, I refuse to conform. <laughs> <laughs> you just say, "Calm and cool." This yeah. is the truth. This is it. This, this is, is I've accepted this is it. Truth. <laughs> I've let it go. Yeah, I'm just tardy. Yeah, I'm a tardy guy. <laughs> I wish I, you know, I wish I tried. <laughs> okay, big thanks to Kathy for coming on the show. Check out her stuff, guys. Uh, get through all that stuff and check out the other stuff. When you're done that, check out uh, grimarker.ca/support. Sign up for a monthly today. If you can do that. That helps out a bunch. If you're getting a little value from the show, send a little value back our way. Uh, in the form of monetary value from a buck to 30 bucks a month or a one-time donation. There's a bunch of ways to do it non-monetarily. You can review the show, rate the show, share the show, spam, gram, sign people up for the newsletter, sign yourself up for the newsletter, make us a jingle. Yeah, spam me with your stories. It seems like when I say it on the podcast, more people, for some reason, I feel like people just assume that they can do that. But yeah, send your stories, your trip reports, your synchronicities, your sightings, your feelings, your feedback. Send it to Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Check out the contact page and send us a postcard or something. Yeah. It's always good to have a little present in the P.O. box. That's right. We pay enough for it and there's yeah. never anything there. Just no, there is, no there is stuff there, of course. Disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. That's because you order your Amazon stuff there, you see. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, look, so I got something. It actually makes more work for you because it would probably just leave it leaning up against your door. No, they no, they don't do that. I don't think Amazon. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I think they'll come in your house and set it up at this point, drilling <laughs> it right under your balcony. Bezos is going to take over the world. Yeah, what did I hear? He wants to be what director of the CIA. What the fuck <laughs> is that true? I think no, nah, I don't. I don't think it's him. I think it's someone else. Or who knows? But yeah. Either way, it's not a good idea. We'll have to beat him to the punch. Not for CIA director, just to take over the world. Yeah. Fuck you, Bezos. All right, hegemony. guys. Hegemony. The hegemony grows. According to Libs, and it shrinks. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Back up to the top of a pyramid and Jesus' feet and curse leave me alone. I'm screaming through a megaphone.
teddy bears You are the incarnation of Pandora's box Pandora's box I'll say it again You are the incarnation of Pandora's box I got a kind-hearted woman She studies evil Myself back up to the top of a pyramid and jinx, sphinx, curse, leave me alone. I'm screaming through a megaphone. Thank you. 